Welcome to the Skyward Spiral, a self-improvement and productivity podcast. I'm David Whitechapel. I'm a fiction writer and content creator, and I'm working on being more productive and efficient with my time and energy. I really enjoy learning about self-improvement and productivity, and always aim to apply the best lessons I learn to my own work and practice. Regular listeners to our podcast might be expecting Brent to chime in now, but he's not with us today. Instead, I'm joined by our fantastic guest for today, Polina B, founder of The Monthly Method. Thanks for joining us today, Polina. Happy to be here, David. Could you start off by telling us a bit about your background and about The Monthly Method? Sure. Um, So I came uh, to Canada at the age of 17 to study um, economics and business administration. I then worked for the federal government uh, right after university. Didn't necessarily enjoy it um, because it was um, a bit too slow, too bureaucratic for a 21-year-old. So I decided to join a fast-growing startup in Ottawa. And that's when I got to learn about Scrum and Agile and Agile product development. Because I was working with a lot of software developers and web designers, they were using Scrum to run their teams. And I've never heard about Scrum before. And mind you, I was studying business administration at school, and I was kind of surprised that no one actually talked about it. Uh, at school or even like in places like the government of Canada or any other companies that I worked for. So, and I became very intrigued by this whole Scrum thing. I remember them having multiple sticky notes on the walls and just the number of things that they were able to get done on a weekly basis was us astounding to me because again I, I I just came from the federal government it was the opposite of, of what was happening there and so I decided that I had to learn more about scrum and agile so I read books I later even became a certified scrum master just to learn what this whole thing is and then I applied scrum to supply chain because I was a supply chain manager at this particular company and and it worked really well And then I decided to apply the same principles to my personal projects. I started small. First, I applied it to move into a new apartment. Then I applied it to move into a new city. Then I applied it to planning a wedding, planning a honeymoon. Then I applied the same principles um, to go through grad school. And it worked so well. I was actually able to finish grad school a semester earlier. So at this point, I was pretty much convinced that Scrum principles can be applied pretty much anywhere from, you know, uh, your professional life to your personal life to your health. I was able to lose some weight using Scrum principles. Um, And, um, you know, I've applied it to so many different projects and uh, I always succeeded when I applied Scrum principles. And now I'm just on this mission. And now I'm on the mission to share how individuals can apply Scrum principles in their own lives, because it doesn't have to be reserved for the elite tech companies in the Silicon Valley. We can all benefit from it. Yeah, that's super interesting. Thanks for that introduction. And um, I've I've been listening to your podcast, which I believe is called The Monthly Method Podcast. Uh, Yeah, it's been really interesting hearing you talk about that journey of 
discovering Scrum and learning more about it and, and applying it to, to life in this way. Now, for people who don't know anything to who Scrum and Agile are just these, you know, magical mystery words, uh, can you give us a real basic uh, breakdown of what, what these things are? You said that they're used in the tech world, but what, what actually is Scrum? Mm-hmm. So uh, we have two words, Scrum and Agile. So Scrum is a framework for Agile software development. But then the question is, what is Agile software development? Um, and then Agile is the product management mindset or philosophy that is characterized by the division of tasks into short phases of work called sprints and frequent reassessment and adaptation of plans. And basically, um, this philosophy came as a reaction to long-term planning. So in, I think in the late 90s or early, early 2000s, um, computer engineers, they looked at the traditional long-term planning and they looked at it as, you know, engineers would look and realize that it's highly inefficient. How it's traditionally done, um, people, uh, the management team would sit and they would create this five-year-long plans on how to build uh, a new product, a new software, then they would break it down into milestones, then you have a milestone for each quarter, and then the deliverables, and you would spend so much time creating this five-year plans, but the moment you start implementing these plans, actually start building software, you realize that you haven't accounted for a bunch of things. And basically this whole plan is inaccurate from like day two. And so you then have to spend even more time in all these meetings trying to adjust the plan and all of that. And it's just very ineffective. Instead, what they decided to do is to ignore the five-year plans and just focus on one sprint at a time. And usually the sprint lasts between two to four weeks. So they decide, okay, what are we going to focus on for the next two weeks? Let's build these features, release it into the world, see the real feedback, and then adjust, and then plan the next sprint. And this is also very crucial differentiation between Scrum and Agile from the traditional project management. Scrum accounts for real feedback from real users, customers. Traditional project management doesn't. So they wait till five years are over when the whole thing is built and only then they show it to the real customers. While in Scrum, they built a little bit and they show it to the customers right away. They get real feedback and then they adjust their entire plan based on the real feedback from their real customers. That's really interesting. And I can, so I can see how that is uh, really useful and dynamic within the tech sort of startup space within um, sort of company structures how do we then apply this scrum methodology this agile framework to personal productivity similarly to the project management done in on the corporate level we have kind of goal setting done on the personal level and what the traditional goal setting gurus and books teach you is to set this huge five-year, 10-year long plans and then, you know, break it down into milestones, break it down into month and weeks, and then uh, start pursuing your goals. And um, my approach is, okay, let's not do that. Let's not waste uh, our time creating these five-year goals. 
let's focus on one sprint at a time. And I embrace the experimental mindset and I think our life is just a bunch of little experiments that we run and that's how we got to learn ourselves better and uh, what we like, what we don't like, what works, what doesn't work. And um, each sprint is just an experiment about our own goals, our own uh, aspirations for the future. So again, to answer your question, how can we apply it to our personal life is to ignore the long-term planning myth of productivity and embrace short-term planning. Because in reality, very few of these long-term plans uh, end up being realized in real life. So I'm sure you've probably set these plans in your own life. You create this perfect vision board, uh, this perfect Excel file with all the milestones. But then the moment you start actually doing something that you realize that, oh, well, I haven't accounted for this factor or I haven't accounted for this time that I need to spend on this task. And so by week two, all your perfect Excel file your perfect vision board is like no longer accurate because you haven't accounted for some information yeah hearing you talk about this and having heard you talk about this before what struck me was how this is something i'd sort of been tending towards and looking for in my own productivity myself so as a writer obviously like i i mainly think about productivity as a creative space as in terms of my creative output and how how i manage my creative flow etc um and what i found at least with myself i think creative productivity is a very personal endeavor but i found that it is very good for me to have this kind of uh regular checkup on what my goals are and what i'm trying to achieve within the next week let's say because things can change so fast so within um writing fiction as i do for example you can have new ideas or you can sort of realize that old ideas don't work you can manipulate and fold in different uh storylines and plots and things into each other in ways that were completely unpredictable you know two weeks prior so you can have a long-term plan of finishing a novel or whatever but in terms of having a fixed outline or a fixed structure of what you're going to achieve every day it's quite hard to have that prepared far in advance because the structure of creative work is so dynamic so so this immediately appeals to me because of that. Yeah, and um, the notion of sprint is a kind of perfect amount of time. So, you know, the critique that you might hear from um, some people who are advocating for long-term planning is that if you don't plan long-term, then you're distracted all the time. Like you can always find distractions of what to do, like an easy activity that you can do at the moment that feels good, feels easy while ignoring your long-term plans. And the sprint is a perfect amount of time where you still have this flexibility, but you lock yourself in like into this two to three to four week sprint. Uh, under the monthly method, it's three weeks. So you set goals for the three weeks and you log them in and then when you have this temptation to get distracted or to change things based on your at the moment emotions you can't really do that because you have your sprint goal so you're still acting in order of priority on your goals but it's short enough that it allows you to change your goals and your tactics quite frequently 
based on the real feedback and based on your previous actions on your previous sprint. So after each sprint, we do the sprint retrospective or in simpler terms, sprint review. That's when you analyze your previous sprint. And I would say in your case where like you analyze everything you've written for the past three weeks and then you're like, okay, where can I, what have I learned? What worked? what didn't, and how can I improve my story going forward? So where would my story go for the next sprint? So you still deal, um, you still overcome your resistance because you locked yourself in into the sprint, but then it's flexible enough where you can actually change your direction quite frequently. So how does this tie into... Uh, the monthly method then Um, can you tell us a bit more about that and and like what is the monthly method a a monthly sprint like how does that work yeah so uh, the name comes from the notion that it uh, that it's a monthly um, cycle so you plan your sprint then you go through three weeks of work um, focused on your goals we set goals in three areas of life, but I'm going to talk more about it later. So three weeks of work, and then we take one week off to review the sprint and also to relax, recharge, and, you know, prepare for the next sprint. And I think, honestly, the last week off is kind of the secret sauce here. uh, And that's what also differentiates the monthly method from everything else is that break in productivity that you kind of need to take every month. It doesn't mean that you have to go on vacation every single month. It's that, you know, you take it easy. You don't um, work on any new goals or any new projects during your week. You just, you know, work on the maintenance level kind of effort. Uh, Nothing extra. And this gives you enough time and enough white space to think big picture about your life and also to brainstorm uh, some of the goals that you can set up for the next sprint. And so three weeks of work, one week of rest, and this gives you four weeks in total, which is a month. And that's why it's called Monthly Method. So you've just said that one of the reasons why I reached out to you and wanted to have you on the podcast, because Brent and I have often talked about how important rest is in order to do good work. So you, you're you saying that the week off in a way is the secret sauce. I think that's so true. Like it's so important to have time away from just, you know, nose to the grindstone kind of work and reflect and reassess and kind of replan, like re reconfigure yourself in the framework of what you're doing and why. Yeah, that really vibes with what we've been saying and kind of the the ideas we've been talking about on the Skyward Spiral. So uh, th- that's extremely resonant for me hopefully for our listeners as well yeah and i remember listening to one of your podcast episodes and uh, you were talking about success being a spiral thing rather than a linear upward uh, line and um yeah i can so agree with that and um, under the monthly method i most of the principles that they teach they kind of follow the circular model where you have to repeat the same actions over and over again and they lead to certain outcome then you have to review them and then plan again and repeat again so I think a lot of and in general um, even in nature very few things are linear processes a lot of them are circular 
Um, and I think that's kind of the truth of human life as well, that we go through cycles and that's how we grow. And we definitely need to take time to stop, uh, review the progress, uh, analyze it. Um, again, ask yourself some meaningful questions and then plan the next um, sprint, the next um, stage of our life based on this review and based on our previous activities as well. Cool. So yeah, as we came up with this podcast, Brent and I, uh, it's sort of designed for people who are working on their personal productivity or have some personal creative goal that they're working on and like to think about how they apply these productivity methods and everything. So, you know, with this background in Scrum and Agile and where you come from, what's your top advice or techniques that you would pass on to our listeners? The first advice I would give is to set goals in um, different areas of your life. Under the monthly method, you set goals in three areas of your life. The first one is, of course, career and growth. That's your traditional um, goal setting. Advice is to set goals for a business, for your work, etc. And then I have the second group, which is health and key relationships. So health is, again, kind of popular, but key relationships is not something that is widely discussed, but I think it's very important. So what I mean by key relationships are, you know, your close circle of friends and relatives. So it might be your husband, your parents, your kids, your best friends. And then uh, the third group is the quality of life. And this is basically everything that makes your life exciting. All the trips, all your hobbies, all your friends, all your get-togethers, all the new restaurants that you want to try, all the neighborhoods that you want to discover, the books that you want to read. So everything that makes your life exciting, colorful, all the things that create memories that you will savor later on in life. And I found that setting goals in the quality of life category is what gives you energy and excitement to do the tasks in your work category. So it's a little bit of a complicated topic to talk about it, uh, to talk about, and it takes a lot of time, but I have a separate episode called want to versus need to activities. In short, uh, your want to activities give you energy to do your need to activities and your need to activities give you the resources to do your want to activities. Again, we're seeing a cycle here, a circular cycle, even in the energy management on a daily basis. So you need to do fun things that give you energy to do your work tasks, to do your creative projects, if creative projects is something that you do for, for a living. But hopefully, you know, uh, in the creative world, um, people are doing their creative projects because they want to do them. But I think there is not a single person on this planet that doesn't have to do things that they need to do. And uh, those are the tasks that consume your energy. And the only way to replenish your energy on the psychological level is to do the things that excites you, that you want to do not that you need to do. Um, so yeah, that's number one advice. Set goals in different areas of your life. 
and especially set goals in the fun areas as well. Every sprint, you know, um, let, let me give you some examples from my clients, from myself. And the quality of life goals is the category that people have the most trouble with because we are so conditioned to setting goals in our work category or our health category, but never in our fun category. And so uh, when I start working with clients, that's where they spend most of their time brainstorming. And so um, some examples. For me, it would be going on a long kayaking trip uh, on the weekend. So probably spend a few hours kayaking on a Saturday because I love kayaking. For me, it would also be, you know, having a no-schedule Saturday where I would go to a new neighborhood in town. I used to live in Toronto, big city, and I would just go to a new neighborhood that I haven't seen before and just, you know, go shopping, visit different stores, just, you know, spend my afternoon there. Uh, what else? I can go to a bookstore and spend a few hours there. Um, my clients would have... Um, Goals like, you know, organize a get-together with their friends or, um, you know, go to to the movies with their friends. You know, something that you really want to do, something that brings you energy, that excites you and that you're looking forward to. And another reason why it's important is because uh, the quality of life tasks are done on the weekends and in the evenings. And if you have exciting things planned for the weekends and for the evenings, you're kind of forced to get your work tasks done during the day because you don't want to cancel all your exciting plans to work on your work goals. And in in the traditional goal setting, you only set goals for your work life. And then you're like, oh, well, yeah, I can work on it on the weekend. And then the work expands till all the hours of the day. But under the monthly method, because you have so many exciting things scheduled, you don't want to cancel your fun plans in order to work on your work goals. So you're forced to be more effective, use time blocking, and get your tasks done during the day so that you can focus on the fun stuff during the evening. I think that's all so true, especially what you were saying about having, you know, this distinction between want to and need to and making sure that you have... Uh, enjoyable goals things that you want to do social goals and things like that it couldn't have ever been so we're recording this in 2021 and a year and a half ago ish most of the world was very became very different very suddenly in a dramatic way and i i think it's more important than ever that we have that we're, we're cognizant of of how important these other aspects are to our work life balance and everything that the life part takes equal priority especially in times when it like now when um you know there's been lockdowns and social distancing etc it's equally important to set those goals and, and make sure that side of your energy is satisfied in order to be productive and work well on the other side of your life so i i so agree with what you said and this idea of um not only letting your you know want to goals be unspoken because your work goals then sort of drift into the evenings and weekends and take over that space that's also so important and I Brent and I have talked about this before that you really need to have to prioritize you know me time in some sense or like what you were saying is you know the things that you want to do and yeah I think that's so true this kind of energy 
this circle of energy taking in and giving out really uh, resonates with me. Yeah, and the one thing that I want to add here is that we need to be careful um, when we talk about the one-two activities because, again, the productivity world and all the hustle culture advocates, they would kind of tell you that, you know, your evenings and your mornings should be so optimized for productivity. And then even if you're not working, you should be working out uh, or you should be meal planning and doing all this like optimizing activities. But that's not your one-two activities. That's again, your need-to activities. So when you're planning your evenings and your weekends, Forget about, you know, the exercise and working out unless it's something that you truly enjoy. And like, yeah, you can do it a couple times a week. and But that should be in your need-to categories if you don't truly enjoy it. But what I mean by your want-to activity is something that is not necessarily overly productive or that doesn't have this amazing return on investment uh, attached to it. It's something that you know, you enjoy the process. For me, you know, it's browsing a new uh, bookstore. It's browsing a new neighborhood. There is no result attached to it. It's not that I'm trying to find a certain book. It's just I enjoy the process. This is, again, me time. And um, this is what gives me energy. And same with kayaking. I don't have a certain distance I'm aiming to kayak. It's just, it's just for the process. I don't track my speed. I don't track my distance. It's just I am enjoying the process. Again, if you're going to, if you're going out with friends, again, you're not trying to achieve something. You're not networking or anything. It's just you enjoy to spend time with the people that you enjoy spending time with. So yeah, again, be very careful when designing your uh, evenings because what I find happens with my clients is they've read so many productivity books and listened to so many podcasts that when they look at their schedule, their evenings is like workout, meal plan, journaling, and all of that. I'm like, do you enjoy any of this? They're like, no, but it, it has so much uh, benefits from my life. I'm like, yeah, but the enjoyment is not there. So you're not recharging your energy levels if you're not enjoying the process. I, I mean, I think that's so important. And it's also like, um, I understand the mindset people who say, oh, I've got to, I've got to, you know, wring every ounce of productivity out of every minute I have but there's also this question of you know what is it what is it all actually for like you're doing all these things so that what so that you can be successful so that you can be you know creatively fulfilled etc but you know the bottom line of it is you also want to enjoy or, or have good times in your life and and share those good times with other people if you don't make time for that then it's all it's all sort of uh i don't know i see it as a bit of a, a, a sort of process that leads nowhere um you're doing these things because you you know you're supposed to do them rather than actually having these sort of goals to to enjoy life and enjoy life with others uh, as well as just maxing out productivity etc yeah and it also takes time and planning to plan those activities right to plan a get together with your high school friends and go to the cottage that's a lot of planning but that's the memory that you would have for the rest of your life so you shouldn't discount these things and you should plan the time to get those goals accomplished, right? So you need to reach out to your friends, find the date of when you can all get together, then book the cottage, you know, plan for the groceries, all of that. It's a lot of time. And if you don't 
have it as a goal, then you're like, well, that's not important. That's not a work goal. So uh, I don't have time for that. And then you never get to do these things or you wait for someone else to invite you to the cottage and do the planning while well, you can wait <laughs> till the end of your life. So it's, it's more about taking responsibility for your own life, for your own quality of life in your own hands and planning these things and making sure that these things happen, that you have the memories and you spend time with the people you love. It's, it's, it's a lot of work, especially the older you get, you know, um, it takes a lot of planning to, to get people together and uh, you shouldn't discount that. Absolutely. All right. And um, you have any other tips or advice? The other tip that I borrowed from Scrum is the idea of backlog. So basically um, how it works in the Scrum team is that um, you have this um, column on the wall again um, that's back in the days where they would use sticky notes um, some of them still do um, so you would have the column of sticky notes called backlog and this is basically all the requests that you would get throughout the sprint so during the sprint the software team is locked on building the feature that they've already decided on building so no one from the company can disturb them and so what they do is they would put the sticky notes on the backlog column. So you can kind of call it ideas or requests or something. And then the sticky notes would accumulate there. And then when the sprint is over, the software development team, they would look at all the backlog, prioritize the tasks and select the projects that they want to commit to for the next sprint. And so how you can use it in personal life is, again, create a note on your phone or in your notebook. It needs to be somewhere that is close to you at all times. It happens to be that our smartphones are usually with us, so I recommend doing it on your phone. So I call it ideas um, or backlog. And so during the sprint, again, if you embrace the sprint productivity, uh, because you've selected the goals that you want to commit to for the sprint and you're not adding anything new, um, you need to have a safe space for all the ideas that pop in your mind to um, be recorded. And so throughout the sprint, just record all the amazing projects, ideas, places you want to go in this file. You don't have to prioritize. You just need to record it and forget it. And then um, your brain is not constantly obsessed about thinking this project through or this uh, new idea or trying to remember it and not to forget it. And so when the sprint is over, you open up your backlog file and you start looking at all the different things that you've recorded throughout uh, your sprint. And then the most amazing thing that happens that is that you look at half of the things that you've recorded and you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> because a lot of them, they're kind of silly when you allow for some time to pass between your thought and your action. So, and you can delete a bunch of them. Let's say you had this great business idea that you thought you should start doing right now, but then uh, with the rules of sprint planning, you would record it in backlog note and then two weeks later when it's time to review your backlog you're like no that was a stupid business idea i'm not i don't want to do that so you just delete it and then you prioritize and select uh the goals for the next sprint so i think the backlog idea really 
saves a lot of time and it also allows you to be very intentional about what you commit yourself to. And it also gives you this idea of flexibility, right? So whenever you record an idea into backlog file, your brain is your brain calms down because it knows that in two weeks, this idea will be considered for the next sprint and it might be approved and you might uh, get it done in the next sprint. So it doesn't obsess over it for a long time. So it's, it's kind of beneficial on all ends, on the time saving, on the prioritization, and also on um, keeping your brain focused on one activity at a time instead of being focused on all these different things you can be doing and different projects and exciting things and books to read and all of that. You have a safe space for them to be recorded. Yeah, I mean, this slots in totally to my own personal idea about uh, creative work and productivity in, in writing, for example, which I do. I always take, like, if I have a new idea or I, um, uh, even small ideas about works that I have in progress, I always note them down, get it out of my head and, and, and keep it in a place where I can access it later, um, which I guess kind of fits what you're talking about, this backlog, so that I have, I know what I'm working on and I can focus on that, but any other idea gets stored somewhere. Like you say, you know, we all have phones nowadays. There's, you can instantly store stuff most of the time. Of course, there's the famous shower thought when you don't necessarily have anywhere to write it down. But most of the time when you have an idea, you can, you can almost instantly write it down and access it again later. And through that, you know, re-engagement with those ideas that you had, a lot of work happens in that process too, I find. So when I'm reviewing old notes that I've written, there's an element of, you know, there's a conversation happening between my old idea and, you know, my new framework of how I think about it in the time that's passed in between or what it could be applied to or whatever. And I find that a really useful sort of creative framework for generating new ideas and, and working on new things. So it's a win-win-win, really. Like, write things down, get it out of your head. I think it's really important not to have a cluttered mind as a creative to, to, to know you know, the creative project that you're working on in that moment and not get too distracted by, you know, novelties that occur to you. But it's also important to note down the, you know, little gems that you find along the way so that you can work on them later. Yeah, I really like that idea of, of this backlog. Mm -hmm. And imagine how little you would get done if you started acting on the new idea immediately. Like, let's say you're working on project A and then this thought pops up and then you switch to project B and then another thought pops up and then you switch to project yeah. C and then... I would literally get nothing get done. done. Yeah, there are not enough letters <laughs> in the alphabet for <laughs> the number of iterations I would go through. Yeah. Um, and I think the final tip I would share, um, so tip number three, again, comes from Scrum, is the definition of done. Um, and so, again, in software development, when you work on the new feature, you for every feature re request, you need to have the definition of done. So basically, when do we know that we're done building this feature? And uh, let me give you an example. Um, let's say we all use Instagram or Facebook. And let's say the feature that we are building is to allow for people to comment. And so the definition of done would be, I, as a user of Instagram, I am able to leave a comment on a picture of my friend. 
Okay, so the moment that we, we hit this functionality, we know that we are done and there is no extra optimization or uh, tweaking around that needs uh, to follow. If we need to optimize it, then it should be another feature request. But at this point, this is where we stop working. And it helps enormously with the perfectionism and the personal productivity journey. So for every goal that we set, we have to create a definition of done. So how do I know when I'm done with this goal? So let me give you some examples. For example, organize a surprise birthday party uh, for my friend. That's something that would go in the quality of life um, category. And the perfectionism and the perfectionist in me would like never be done with this goal because there is always something that you can improve. But the definition of done for this goal would look like I've sent the invites to all the friends so they know when to attend. I've selected the location. It's all booked. What else? I've bought all the decorations and I created, I don't know, a Facebook group or something. So those are the four things that the moment I check them off, I know that I'm done. And so then I can move to the next goal. And um, yeah, this is something that's extremely helpful for all the perfectionists out there. So you need to have the definition of done because otherwise you'll keep working on your goal and it will never be done. Mm -hmm. Again, really, really applicable to creative work because, well, as you may know, creative people are some of the biggest perfectionists out there because you always know that your work isn't as good as it could be because... It, you know, you never have infinite time to work on a project and, and you, you're never going to be at your height. You know, the goal in creative work is to keep increasing your skill level. So you're never at the skill level you kind of aspire to be. So if you have the incorrect mindset, nothing is ever finished creatively. So, yeah, there's also a kind of definition of a creative work being finished, um, which is so important to actually finish anything because otherwise everything could be you know, a work in progress forever. Definitely a problem I've seen lots of people have um, in the writing space. Yeah, and uh, something that I would like to add here is that the definition of done should be very objective. So it should never be subjective. So, um, and how I would like to explain it to your listeners is you should create the definition of done that when someone else, like not you, would look at this definition of done, they can decide whether it's done or not. So that's why you can't really use the words such as good or perfect or interesting. It's like, okay, I need to create a manuscript. The definition of done would be that um, I have a Word file in my Dropbox folder Um, The file consists of about like 80 pages uh, and uh, it's formatted and in this uh, particular format, it has all the references and um, I've CC'd my editor on this manuscript. And I, as a person who doesn't know anything about, let's say, writing novels or anything, I can go into your Dropbox folder and I can see, is there a file in Dropbox folder? Yes, checkbox. Is it 80 pages? Yes, checkbox. Is it in this format? Yes, checkbox. And, um, you know, and now I can confirm that this definition of done is completed. And so I can follow it and I can say, yes, this task is done. 
So when setting the definition of done, kind of think about like, can I give it to my friend? And this friend is able to say whether the task is done or not. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. So those are uh, three really, really great um, and applicable pieces of advice from directly from Scrum, right? Mm-hmm. So setting different goals across the work-life balance, keeping a backlog uh, and notes uh, about other ideas and things, and having a proper objective as possible um, definition of done, right? Yeah, there are some more, but I think uh, those will be the top three uh, I can share in today's episode. Yeah, no, cool. That's awesome. Um, do, do you have any more? You gave some examples already, but do you have any more examples of how you use this in your uh, in your you know day to day and and on the various projects that you work on? Sure. So every morning, um, you know, I, I have my morning routine. Um, which is not necessarily overly optimized. I try to do things that I enjoy doing uh, first thing in the morning. Uh, and then when it's time to start working, the first document that I open up is my sprint goals. And then I look at each of the sprint goals and I, I ask myself, what can I do today in order to get this sprint goal done? And then I would uh, create some tasks based on my sprint goal document and uh, then I would do the time blocking. So the number one priority for the day is always um, an activity related to my Scrum goals. And if um, I'm planning nine to five, it's usually around my work goals, my business goals. So I would ask myself, okay, what's the number one priority here? Okay, it's let's say when I started my uh, business, it was, you know, building the website. And that was the one of the sprint calls that I had early on. So, okay, what can I do today in order to get closer on uh, launching the website by the end of the sprint? And that might include, you know, uh, creating an about me page or creating a homepage or something like that. So I was like, okay, that's the number one priority for the day. Then I would, you know, go add some more tasks, look at my other tasks that are not necessarily from my sprint goals, and then I would time block. So time blocking is the tool that I teach to a lot of my clients. Um, It's probably one of the most useful productivity tools out there. Um, I truly believe that you don't need to have a productivity app or a perfect planner or any of that if you embrace time blocking. I do it on a simple piece of paper. Sometimes if I don't have paper, I would do it on the back of the envelope. So it's it's nothing fancy, but it's very productive. So I don't time block all hours of my day. I just time time block my work hours. And uh, yeah, so I I then um, just time block all my priorities or all my tasks and um, I get them done. And then the next day, again, the first thing I do when planning my workday is to look at my sprint document and see what I can uh, complete in that particular day. Nice. So um, earlier on when we were discussing uh, how you came across Scrum and why you like it as an approach and how you came up with the monthly method, you mentioned uh, some of the reasons why long-term planning isn't such a good methodology um, for how to do things because again things could change and you want to be adaptable etc all the reasons we gave earlier are you completely against long-term planning like where does that fit in can is it worth having long-term goals and long-term aspirations or is it more of a thing 
where uh, you define those less and you focus more on the here and now, you know, the short-term things? Where, where does that fit in? I think it's nice to have a long-term picture of the lifestyle that you want to have. Maybe the number of hours you want to work, uh, kind of the maybe the type of work you want to be doing, but like nothing too exact. Um, and I feel like lifestyle is something that is really motivating, at least for me. So, um, you know, I would have my lifestyle goals going uh, long term would be, you know, um, spend my winters somewhere warm because I don't like Canadian winters. It's cold and it's miserable. So then I would like, okay, um, then I would probably have to have a job or a source of income that allows me to be flexible and to actually live in a warmer country during winter month. And But what kind of job, what kind of income I have to have in order to do that is kind of flexible. And so the how of uh, the how of getting there is done through scrum pl- through short-term planning, through experiments, through scrum. But basically the long-term why is like why am I doing it is what helps to dictate the short-term uh, goals. So whenever I'm thinking of let's say a new business idea or a new um job that I want to take or something I always kind of run through this filters of like is it something that will make me have to stay in Canada for the winter month or is it something that I can do remotely during let's say November to March and then yeah you can run all your decisions through the ideal lifestyle that you want to have in the future and again like does it mean that I have to have my own business in order to do that not necessarily I can have a full-time job that would allow me this flexibility does it mean that I have to earn millions of dollars no I can either choose to live in the south of France or I can used to live somewhere cheaper so it's like you have a little bit more flexibility here so you mentioned that you have uh, clients that you work with as well, and um, you use this Scrum framework uh, and this monthly method uh, to to guide them and give them advice and everything. How has that been? How, how have your clients worked with this? Uh, you know, what what stories can you share from that, and and how has it worked out for them? When I started the monthly method, I was sharing my own experience, and as I men- as I mentioned before, I had so much success in different areas of my life using Scrum, but. I kind of wanted to test this idea uh, with other people and um, see if it if it's applicable on everyone. And so I worked with beta clients and then that turned into paid clients. But basically what I've learned to um, understand is that this approach works really well if you have high autonomy of how you spend your time. And what I mean by that is you decide how your schedule looks like on a daily basis. And again, because I've worked with beta clients and paid clients, I can see that business owners, entrepreneurs, um, medical practitioners who are in control of their own schedule, students, uh, professors, they do much better with this system than, let's say, uh, people who have full-time job that is highly occupied with meetings that they can't really move around. 
So um, something to think about when implementing Scrum. I think it's very helpful for the creatives as well because they are in control of their time. Um, so I think it would be very useful for your listeners. But if you have a full-time job and uh, you have a micromanaging uh, manager and you have uh, tons of meetings, uh, tons of emails, all of that, it might not be very useful. Uh, but if you're a business owner, um, had a lot of success with medical practitioners and uh, students, professors, uh, mortgage brokers, uh, yes, sales people, you know, where you decide how you want to spend your time. Yeah, definitely applicable. Okay, let me see if I can share any examples of the goals that my clients were able to achieve in just three short weeks. I've worked with a chiropractor from the UK, and he was able to launch his YouTube channel where he was sharing his uh, advice, and then he was able to grow it to a few thousand subscribers. So that was... um, Not necessarily one sprint goal, but it was two sprint goals, so six weeks in total. Quite amazing. I also had uh, someone recently, a dentist with his own practice, who was able to finish educational course that he signed up for because he wanted to learn how to do this new type of uh, surgery of implants. And he was able to complete the course, um, well, not almost complete the course, but most importantly, he was able to do the implant successfully. So again, something that was done in just three short weeks. Uh, What else? Um, I had someone who is in publishing business and uh, they were able to extend into the Germany Amazon market again in three weeks. I had a mortgage broker who set the goal of uh, doing 10 daily calls to prospects and he was able to do that so 15 by 10 150 calls per sprint and that's quite good um yeah so different um, areas different uh, examples i had a student who wanted to get her projects done that worked i had the professor who wanted to uh, start applying for a new um who wanted to switch her job in the new to a new university? So we worked on uh, updating her resume, uh, creating cover letter, and applying uh, to a few universities. Again, in just three short weeks. So yeah, different examples, different um, areas of expertise, but um, the common factor among all the people who successfully completed the sprints are. I would say first keeping it simple, not overcomplicating it with different tools, software, uh, apps, planners, or anything. The most successful clients I have, all they do is they write their goals on an index card or on in their planner, uh, like bullet journal, and that's it. The clients that have the least success are the ones who start looking for a new app to track all the goals, for a new uh, Google Chrome extension, for a new planner, for all of that. Like the moment you start overcomplicating the process, that's just a sign that this is your resistance talking 
and uh, your resistance wants you to spend time on uh, shopping for a new planner rather than actually doing the work. Yeah, so those are some of the examples. Um, if you have any questions, let me know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, if you have any questions for Polina in general, please feel free to message in uh, as you normally would to the podcast and and uh, just address uh, Polina because I believe you said you're happy to answer people's questions if they they message in, right? Yeah, so I would be happy to come back and answer some of the common questions that uh, you'll get in your messages or I don't know if you do any social media. So uh, yes, uh, feel free to send in questions and uh, I'll be back to answer them. Cool. Uh, what what would you say is the number one takeaway from all this? Like obviously people listening to this, maybe they've been introduced to Scrum or they've just uh, now thought about the idea of applying Scrum to personal productivity and such but what what's the sort of number one takeaway in terms of how to do things differently i would say to take all the productivity conventional advice with a grain of salt and again uh we're told to create this five-year long plans but then if you look at the most innovative companies of our time they've all embraced agile and scrum and then you start thinking okay if they've been doing it for the past 20 years why are we still told that long-term planning is the key to success? So again, take every advice that you hear, be it about uh, optimizing your morning routine, optimizing your evening routine, uh, sleeping a certain number of hours, take it with a grain of salt and just try it. Like run it as an experiment for three weeks. Let's say you heard that you need to um, journal in the mornings and meditate and meditate and work out. Okay, Try it for three weeks, for one sprint, for one month, and then review the process uh, and then review the results. How did you feel? Did it improve your life or was it just another productivity guru trying to sell you anything? You know, try it and then see if it works in your life. A lot of the things that are told to be useful are not necessarily useful for you. It doesn't mean that you don't need to try them. Try them, but then be flexible to let it go, to say, yeah, I've tried it, but it doesn't work for me. Let me find the thing that works for me. And then, you know, you run another experiment for three weeks, try to be to build a new habit, a new process, a new goal. If you have zero results, if you don't feel better, if it doesn't move your life forward, if it doesn't make you happier, then forget it. Move on, try a different thing. So don't feel like you have to be doing all the productivity things that people are talking about. You don't have to meditate if it doesn't work for you, if it doesn't make your life better. You don't have to journal. You don't have to wake up at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. Try it. If it doesn't improve your life, then screw it. Try something else. Brilliant advice. And what a great chat overall. Polina, thanks so much for, uh, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, David. It was a pleasure. So yeah, you have a podcast yourself, The Monthly Method, etc. Can you tell us more about that? Where can people find you and um, and listen to your podcast? Yeah, you can find me on all the platforms that you listen. Uh, yeah, you can find me on all the platforms. It's called Monthly Method. Um, I think I'm on episode 32 as of now. But actually, but basically what I'm trying to do with my podcast is kind of debunk some of the productivity myth. Um, educate people about Scrum and how it can be applied to their personal life. 
and um, overall fight the hustle culture agenda and say that, you know, it's um, life should be enjoyable and it's not just about work and you can have amazing results uh, in your work, but also have a lot of fun in other areas of your life. You don't have to choose. Yeah, and I can really recommend it. I've been listening to it for a little bit now, and uh, it's a weekly sort of bite-size, interesting uh, idea being explored each week, and um, and yeah, explores all of these ideas we've been talking about today further. So definitely give that a listen. And what about uh, social media or anything? Are you on any of those? Yeah, I've recently started Instagram. It's not uh, not overly consistent there uh but you can definitely subscribe uh and uh, send me a direct message i think that would be the easiest way to get in touch with me so it's monthly dot method um you can find me on instagram and um if you want to send me an email feel free to use hello at monthlymethod.com and i respond to all the emails that i get um and uh, yeah Uh, Looking forward to hearing from your listeners, be it through my social media or coming back to this podcast and answering some of the questions that you, David, get. Um, Yeah, so looking forward to uh, exploring and uh, looking forward to exploring these topics further. Yeah, again, thanks so much for coming on. And I'd love to have you on again another time and and follow this up because uh, I think this is so um, material to what Brent and I have been talking about on season one of the podcast and um and yes if you're wondering yeah we finished season one last year and season two is coming soon um so stay tuned for that me and brent will be back with uh with more regular uh skyward spiral insights for you so please join us for that you can find us in the usual places uh at skyward underscore spiral we're on twitter and you can email us at theskywardspiral at gmail.com. If you want to get in contact with me directly, I'm at dwhitechapel. So yeah, feel free to get in touch, follow us up, uh, try out these uh, some of the stuff we talked about today. And we'll see you next time on The Skyward Spiral. Thanks again, Polina, for joining us. Thank you, David. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Skyward Spiral. This show was edited by myself, and the musical themes are brought to you by Batchberg Music. Information and resources on today's topic can be found in the episode description. Please rate and review the podcast on your preferred podcast app. It really helps. See you next time.